This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. So if you follow Olivia Nasita, you'll notice that a lot of her content is this really interesting, really beautiful recipes drink and food. Uh, But if you're listening to the audio, you'll notice that she tells a lot of stories about childhood, about what she's thinking about, about what the food reminds her of. It's not necessarily reading recipes. And it's really interesting content. And she's a great storyteller, great speaker, which makes sense because she was a speech pathologist for years. But when we recently worked with Olivia, we noticed that the social stories, they're only so long. They're like 30 seconds. There's not that much time to tell a story. But she has a lot to talk about and a lot to share and a lot to share about her journey, how unexpected it was, how much confidence it took, how much hard work it takes every day. So as we get close to the end of the month of January, a lot of you may have gone dry this month, may have tried something new. But we're going to be talking to Olivia about that experience, what going dry has meant for her and just give her more room to talk than she typically has on social media. So this is a really fun, creative, flowy, uh, unique conversation. I really enjoyed it. I encourage you to follow Olivia, check out the things she does on Instagram and her blog, as well as her podcast, On the Rocks, so that you too can find your own recipe for reinvention. Let's go ahead and welcome Olivia. Um, Well, tell us about it. Is that where you're based or, or are you visiting? Yeah, I'm based out of San Francisco. So kind of have an interesting story of where I've lived. I've lived in a lot of places over the last decade, but I, uh, I lived in the East Bay for college. So I went to college at UC Berkeley and lived out in Berkeley. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon for graduate school, lived out there for a few years, went to Los Angeles after that, lived there for a few years. And then in the middle of the pandemic decided New York City sounds like a great time right now. So then I moved to New York City. And then from there, my partner and I decided to kind of travel the country and do that whole like digital nomad Airbnb thing. Uh, We tried a few places out. And at the end of the day, we kind of ended back up in the Bay Area. Our families are close to us. I'm like 45 minutes away from my parents by plane and we're near his parents. So it just kind of worked out. We've been here for a little over a year now, and I'm getting used to the lifestyle. It's pretty cool here. That's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm sure this is obvious, but like, how, how does that shape the way you approach what you create as far as food and drink, you know, where you are? Is it heavily influenced or is it more influenced by, you know, what you're consuming through media? You know what I mean? Like, is it still the real world that's affecting how you, the mood you're in and what you're creating? Totally. That's a great question. You know, part of the, great thing about living here is that we have access to such like beautiful seasonal produce. So I can just wake up in the morning, go to the farmer's market on a Sunday and be like, oh, there's this, you know, massive bin of a squash and just get like amped about creating a recipe that has squash in it. Um, And that's been like kind of the main driver for me in terms of my recipes. I've been doing things so seasonally. And I know that's not kind of the case 
uh, everywhere in the United States. So that's been one thing that's been very helpful for me. But then otherwise, it's actually funny because, you know, I moved from New York City, very fast pace of life, super chaotic. You're up late, you wake up early, you grind, da 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 da. And when we came to San Francisco, things got so slow. Um, and it was something that I had kind of resisted for so long, this slowness of life and not really being distracted by what was around me. But what I found is that it actually gives me so much more time to kind of hone in on what I want to create. I feel very out of the mix. I feel like out of the creative mix. There's not a ton of people here that I know. And that's probably just because we just moved here. I think there's a really great creative scene here. But being out of it has allowed me time to kind of slow down and get honest about what I should be creating and what I want to be creating. And it's funny because after I moved here, that's when things really started to kind of pick up with my brand. It's when I kind of started to hone in creatively on what I wanted to do and what felt right for me. And so that's been a really cool uh, thing to see in moving from like a chaotic lifestyle to a slower one. Got to be welcomed too, you know, a little bit slower after all the chaos. Totally. You know, it's funny because I like my big word for 2024 was simplicity. I was like, I want to, you know, get very simple. I want to, you know, uh, take everything out of my closet I don't wear. And I want to, you know, eat simply and like make my own bread and da 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 da. And then it's, it's funny because as much as I think we crave simplicity and we crave quiet and all of this, we're kind of the like natural human neuroses is to run towards chaos and to run towards, um, oh, I'm uncertain. Let me go this way or let me go that way. And I think that other cities that I've lived in have provided me the opportunity to kind of distract myself. And so while it's really welcomed, it's also, I think, much more difficult to kind of sit in a place of you know, quiet and simple and a little bit, I don't know, stale, I guess you could say, versus kind of in New York and LA, I would wake up every day. I was so inspired. I'd go outside, look at the fashion and whatever it was. And here you're kind of having to make something from nothing in a way. Um, I'm at home a lot and I don't, you know, have a huge friend group here. But it's funny because I'm like, I'm craving the simplicity, yet I'm so not used to it that I almost have to convince myself every single day, no, this is what you want. This is what you've asked for. This is actually really good for you. Um, and so there's been this interesting dichotomy I've noticed. I think so many of us, and I can only speak for myself, but I do think a lot of people struggle, especially in this day and age with like a perfectionist complex. I think especially because of social media, we're constantly worried about making sure that we're presenting as doing enough, having enough, being enough, working hard enough. Mm -hmm. And there is definitely, and, and this could also, you know, be part of being a woman, but I, I'm constantly trying to make sure I'm kind of doing the most. How am I uh, honing in on my brand and making it the you know most kick-ass brand it could possibly be? How am I working with my brand partners and what are what are what is my work like day to day? And am I making you know even the idea of me not working one day? For example, my uh, my schedule I is pretty regimented. It's just it helps me. But I wake up, I make one or two recipes, I edit videos, I'll do you know, podcast interviews or take calls. I'll go to the gym. I mean, I have like a very full schedule and it's funny because the nature of my job kind of allows me to chill if I want. And there's days where I couldn't wake up and say, I'm not doing anything today. 
And I have done that once in the last like two months. And it was the worst day of my life. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm a failure. I'm not doing anything. I had anxiety. I'm like, everything's going to fall apart. I think it's just what happens to people who live in, in the world right now. I think we're all very caught up in doing the most and being the most and going the fastest. Um, and so it's been a really interesting and welcome challenge for me to slow down and to notice how I feel when I slow down and not running from that, because I do think that we tend to want to go left or right, but we kind of have to stick with those like weird, icky, uncomfortable. I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough feelings. And so that's what I've been working on this year. You know, you didn't start out being a, a content creator and making these recipes wow. and these beautiful videos and telling these stories. What, what was kind of your trajectory before all this? And what kind of led to this change? Because it is uh, probably unexpected when it started <laughs> happening. I don't know. You tell me. Maybe this was the goal hey. all along. No, you should ask my parents. I'm sure unexpected <laughs> would be a, a great word. I'm sure they they love that word. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a challenge. So I guess the best way for me to describe kind of how I've gotten to where I am is to go all the way back, like over 60 years ago, my dad is an immigrant from Cuba. Um, he escaped Cuba with his parents in the early 60s, once Castro kind of, uh, you know, came to power. And it's funny because I think a lot of people with immigrant parents can, my, my mom's uh, American, my dad's Cuban, but I think a lot of people with one immigrant parent or two immigrant parents can relate to the idea that if you're not going to marry a lawyer or a doctor. You're going to become a lawyer or a doctor. And that's the way it works. Uh, my parents followed a very you know, strict formula for their lives. They both came from nothing and made something of themselves, which is extremely admirable. And it's funny, like even when I was probably six or seven years old, I remember like, you know, you can see the the schoolwork my mom saves in the attic. And it's like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And I'm like, I'm going to get a master's degree. And I just didn't even know what that meant. But that's what I had kind of had inundated in me my entire life was you're going to finish school and then you're going to get a master's degree. So I end up going to college. And as I'm in college, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. And I was like, I just don't want to be a doctor. I definitely don't want to be a lawyer. And I was really into speech and debate in college. I was on the speech and debate team and I knew I loved things that kind of included voice. And my dad had kind of suggested the idea of becoming a speech pathologist. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be a lawyer. I have to go into medicine. That was like, there was no other option for me there. And that was from, from them. That was from them, Got the it. pressure. So they, they're craving structure and security. A hundred percent. And, and to this day, and I love them, you know, and, and at the end of the day, it's like, they're my parents and they care about me and they worry for me. And I think sometimes when someone wants the best for you, sometimes it can come out in a way that isn't necessarily the best for you because that's what they want. They want security for me and they want comfort for me, especially based off of the childhoods that they had. And I totally understand that. And I think being 18, 19 years old, I just didn't have enough wherewithal. I didn't have enough independence financially or even in my head to be able to say, no, I actually didn't think I don't want to do that. Um, I'm a very creative person. I don't want to go into, you know, kind of a left brain field of work. But, you know, I, I will say I'm glad I did it because it kind of got me to where I am today. So 
I ended up going to undergrad. I got a degree in linguistics at UC Berkeley, which was very difficult and a lot of tears. I was like, I remember calling my dad one day. I'm like, I want to transfer to the media studies major. And he's like, absolutely not. It's the dream. It's the American dream. So I end up going to graduate school and I had started in between, I did a lot of school for a long time. So in between undergrad and grad, I got a second bachelor's degree in a year online. During that time, I started my platform because I was really in need of a creative outlet and I really wanted to explore kind of a different medium of art. I've, um, I grew up singing and doing theater. So I, art has always kind of been a part of my life, but as you get older, if you're not going to pursue theater or singing, it's not something that's like very easily accessible. So I was like, I want to try food styling. I love this idea of cooking. I was not really allowed to cook when I was a kid. My mom didn't want me to make a mess in the kitchen. So I'd started learning in college. And when I graduated college, I just loved this idea of like creating beautiful food. It felt very artistic to me. So I started my Instagram and this was before, this was back in 2015. This is before really influencing is a thing. Content creation's absolutely not a thing. I mean, this is when people were just kind of having fun and blogs existed. I've run out of blog. And uh, so I decided, okay, I'm going to have an Instagram. And so I, you know, started doing it and it was really interesting to me. And then I uh, ended up going to graduate school and I left social media completely. I couldn't handle doing both. I was. Didn't you leave it for like a year? Yeah. I like completely, I deleted Instagram, Facebook. I mean, everything. I was gone for 15 months without a word. So I had about 10,000 followers, I think. And no one knew where I went. I just like went rogue and AWOL and left. I, I got to ask about that too. When, whenever we were ready. Yeah. But. Cause it was an amazing time. Um, but <laughs> I, I had, I have, I was living my best life, but, um, yeah. So I left social media. I finished my degree. I got my master's and, you know, I remember calling my parents one night, it was about two in the morning, probably my first semester of school. And I told them I, I want to quit school and I want to do my blog full time. And they were like, absolutely not. That's not happening. You've taken all these loans out to get your graduate degree. You can't do that. And again, you know, I didn't have the independence. I think financially there was just a huge uh, barrier for me to be independent. So I finished my master's degree and luckily, and not so luckily at the time, but I, I feel lucky now, I had a lot of trouble getting my license to practice in the state of California to be a speech pathologist. Uh, it just takes a long time and I really procrastinated on it once I finished my graduate degree. I think probably because I knew I didn't want to work and I didn't want to do it, but it ended up taking like four months so I was about to be free for four months. And um, my ex-partner at the time, he was like, you know, you've been off social media for about 15 months now. We're moving to Los Angeles. You've like completely, I had just really kind of transformed as a person. I think I grew into myself a lot. And he was like, I think it would be really special if you went online and kind of got back and shared a little bit. What else do you have going on? And I was like, oh, you know, no, no, no. And finally I was like, okay. I'm going to go back because I'm so bored. I can't do anything else. And <laughs> I started sharing again. I, and of course, right. Because God forbid, I like take a day off. I take a break. Um, I just finished like, you know, however many 20 something years of school and I can't, you know, have one day where I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I went back on social media and I started just 
kind of sharing my life and sharing recipes. And it honestly, when I think about it now, I'm like, it, it just kind of before my eyes grew and I don't even know the last three and a half, four years have just been, I don't know. It feels like a rocket. Like I feel like I've been in a spaceship and I like took off and then came back to earth and now I'm where I am now. But it was such a beautiful time for me because I think it just gave me the confidence to say, you know, this is something that I really enjoy and something I could probably do. And I started getting reached out to by brands that made it possible for me to make this a side hustle, which in those 15 months that I had left, influencing kind of started to become a thing. So getting paid for social media wasn't a thing 15 months prior. When I came back, you know, someone emailed me and was like, we'd love to give you, you know, $300 to write a blog post about our eggs. And I was like... $300. You know what I could do with that? I could, oh my gosh, I could pay my rent. So it slowly started to become something that was a side hustle for me. And for about a year, I was working two full-time jobs. I was doing social media full-time and I was doing speech pathology full-time. I finally got my license. I worked, I did my fellowship. I worked with the most incredible children and incredible families who were just life-changing for me. And as much as I loved the career and as beautiful as of a career as it was, at the end of the day, about 16 to 18 months in, I just knew I couldn't do it anymore. I think I was so burnt out. And I was like, if I'm burnt out after 18 months of this, how can I do this for the rest of my life? And having worked in social media full-time, you know, I was essentially waking up at 5 a.m., seeing patients until 3 p.m., doing social media until 9 p.m. And then on Saturdays and Sundays, I was working 12-hour days, doing recipes and social media, taking pictures on like my balcony of food. And it was so exhausting, but also so important because by the time I felt burnt out as a speech pathologist, I had this platform that I could kind of rely on. I called my parents and I said, you know, I'm going to go part-time as a speech pathologist. I'm going to work two days a week and I'm going to devote three days a week to social media. And I, I really thought both of them are going to have a coronary. You have to understand they're both divorced. <laughs> so like I call them up at the same time on a group message. They're, they're not talking to each other unless I'm involved. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, I've decided I'm going to try the social media thing. And you could just, I could feel it. Like, palpitating over the phone. They were so, just so like, it went about how you expected, maybe worse. Yeah, it was about how I expected. And they were really scared. They really didn't understand what I was doing. And they really didn't have, I don't know. I think in a lot of ways, I don't know if it was that they didn't have confidence in me. I think they were just so afraid for me and they were so afraid that I would, you know, maybe end up in the same position that they had worked so hard to get out of. So what do you, what do you think it is? They didn't understand maybe what you were seeing as far as like, hey, the world's changing. There's other ways to make a living. And, you know, I'm, I can be at the forefront of this kind of movement almost. That's kind of at the end of the day. I think they just very much don't want to leave the specific formula that worked for them. And thinking outside of the box is something that I don't think either of them had the opportunity to do. Because of that, I had the, because, because they stuck to a formula I had the opportunity to think out of the box and it was a very scary thing for me because when you don't have the, when you grow up in a family, like I did, you know, incredibly supportive and loving, and I'm so grateful. It's really hard to do something that they don't support because you really do feel like if I fail, 
I'm going to have to run back to them and they're going to say, I told you so. And that's a really scary feeling, but I finally felt independent enough and I didn't have a ton of money to do it with, but I just felt like, you know, life is so short and I'm so tired and I'm only at this point, I think I was 25 or 26. I'm like, I shouldn't be this tired at 25. And so I did it. I did it. And that was in 2020, I think. And I, now it's 2024 and I am no longer, I mean, I'm still a speech pathologist. I'm so licensed. I could go back to work if I needed to, but I no longer am a practicing speech pathologist. I am a full-time content creator with a business and it is the wildest thing. And my parents are, I think they've like finally 96% come around. There's still like (laughs) the occasional, Hey, are you good? Like, do you have enough money? And I try to tell them like, this is a job I'm, I'm making, you know, a, a salary. They still worry, but generally, I mean, every single, I get calls weekly from my mom and dad. Oh, we just went to this restaurant. We told the server that, you know, we got you a new follower. Um, so they kind of love it now, which is really That's cool. Funny. Well, you know, in fairness, 98, 96% confidence. And yeah, I mean, that you got to even have your doubts at times. Like I do with right. have a job, totally. you know, and, and whatnot skills and in a network or whatever family. It's like, even still, it's the, the existential crises will hit you at any time, no matter how secure you seem. That's exactly right. I mean, you have, you have, you have to have them. I think, I don't know. Sometimes I think if without them, I would be a little too complacent. And so it kind of humbles me every time I I have a little existential crisis. Hey, what am I doing? And it just allows me to recenter myself, which I think is important as a business owner. What I'm really struck by is uh, what, where, where did you get that confidence? What gave you, have you always had that in yourself? Where, where was it coming from, you think? I think it's kind of always been within me and it just took me finding it to to really act on it. You know, I, for so long, had been so dependent on their support. And I think when I left for graduate school. And then I moved to Los Angeles. I just started doing things that felt a little bit more rebellious. Like I got a ton of tattoos and that was like a really small thing, but it was a huge deal in my family. I mean, huge. Uh, I think a lot of it too is kind of the Hispanic culture. It's very much like we're a tight knit family. We we respect our elders. We do things to uh, stay secure. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of how always how it's been in my family. So I think I I started doing little things that showed me, hey, you know, if not everything goes okay, you'll still be okay. And then while my mom's kind of always been a very anxious person, she's funny enough, she's like constantly preaching, like taking risks and, you know, being uh, being independent and, you know, staying brave and jumping into fear. She doesn't want it for me, but like she, you know. <laughs> I mean, she did it. Her and your dad did it. They both did. And so I just kind of thought, you know, I feel so privileged and so grateful to be able to take this risk. I did the grad school thing. I proved myself to whoever I needed to prove myself to, be it myself or my parents. I got my master's. And at the end of the day, I need to, I need to like live out something that it just, it was like alive inside of me. I couldn't sleep. I was like, I need to do this. If I don't do this, I'm going to regret it. And I think, you know, in high school, I I wanted to move to New York after high school and I wanted to try to be on Broadway. 
And I never did it. And I, even today I'm like, what would have happened had I done it? And so I think it was just, I had gotten to this perfect point of being like 27 years old and I was independent enough to make decisions for myself, but still young enough to like dream. And it just all kind of combusted at this right time. And I was like, well, I might as well try. Also, another interesting thing is the year off social media or the 15 months mm-hmm. that, I mean, it just, for any skill, for any craft, for anything that anyone becomes good at, time away from it, especially that long at that point in your career in the sense of like, I feel like that's when you're really developing the skills for your craft, whatever it is. You, what do you think about that time off helped you become better at it when you came back? You, you mentioned that the, the, the nature and kind of the, the business around opportunity around social media had changed. But what do you think about the way you did it changed with that time off? I think it kind of rounds back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this. It's the simplicity that I, I just didn't have by being on social media. And there was just a point where I knew I couldn't do both. And I wanted to give a hundred to both, both getting my master's and doing social. And I knew I couldn't. And at that point, my, you know, money and mind was set on getting a degree. So when I left and you're totally right, it's the idea that I would ever do that now seems kind of crazy. But when I think back on it, I actually believe that I gave myself the space to just find out who I was. And I don't think that my brand would be as strong as it is today. I don't think my skills would be as strong as they were today if I first and foremost didn't have the foundation of knowing myself. Um, I think that's personally where where my brand kind of thrives is the idea that I'm just very secure in who I am and what I do and what I create. It, for me, it was never so much about the skills. I always felt like, you know, I, I feel like I can catch up quick. I, I loved the photography aspect. Videos weren't a thing back then, but I loved, you know, the cooking, whatever it was to leave that for 15 months. I started reading more and I started cooking more. I was actually able to take the time that I had spent previously on social media and I was able to actually learn how to make food. And I was able to learn, you know, who I was and what I thought about the world. Um, I think I needed the time and I needed that space carved out to figure out what my values were. I don't think, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Anybody can start a brand without having values. And I don't think that there's uh, availability to grow in a company, a brand, whatever, whatever you are, wherever you are in, you know, your career or your life. I think you have to have a foundation of knowing yourself and knowing what your values are before you can move forward and before you can expect longevity. And I didn't really do it in expectation of that. I I really didn't think I would come back. I truly thought that speech pathology was going to be the end all be all for me. But what I found when I did come back was that I I really did find myself in a way that I had never given myself the opportunity to before. It was, you know, I just remember I say reading, but I I really did kind of dive into spirituality at that time. And and I remember, you know, during the summer when I would be on Instagram or maybe be, you know, doing my side hustle away from school, I would just sit on my couch on the porch and I would read books. 
and I would highlight books and then I would think about how I felt about those things. And that was just an important time for me to figure out who I was and to try and build a foundation. And now I can say it was the best thing I've ever done. Could I leave Instagram now? Could I leave social media now? No, it's the kind of the crux of my career. But I also think that what it did was it helped me understand that balance is possible in social media and that, you know, for example, I I definitely kind of when I got back into it was, you know, when you're starting a business, it's like go, go, go all the time. And then about two years ago now, I realized I was kind of back in that addiction mindset where I was constantly online and I was constantly thinking about work and through therapy and a lot of uh, inner discourse, I realized that I deserve to take the weekends off and I need to take the weekends off. And now I do not even think about posting or uh, engaging online on Saturdays and Sundays. It's not even a thought in my mind. Those are my days. I go skiing, I bike ride, I hang out with my partner and my friends. And I've just had to realize like, I took 15 months off and I came back and made a career. Who's to say that I don't get to take two days off a week? And so it really created a, a super healthy balance for me. It helped me to create that balance. And there's this idea of just kind of just, I'm just thinking about this, like right off the, right off the top of the head is, is like this idea of going away is not the same as never leaving. I think that's a quote, but I've, I've run into so many people lately who, oh, we, we were just talking about chopped. I mean, I mean, Colin went to Wisconsin away mm-hmm. from New York City before coming back with this brilliant idea and what became his career. But he would have never come up with that idea, self-admittedly, had he, they not gone to Wisconsin, of all places, from New York to come back to New York with this idea that they didn't have when they were there. So I've, I've run into so many people lately where they go off, take a time away, a decent amount of time, like you, 15 months or so, and then come back and then that's when things click and that's when things take off and I, you know any that that applies to so many things and it's really interesting to hear it in this context totally i mean even like i was saying in the beginning being in san francisco i'm out of the mix here in a lot of ways i was very in the mix in new york and la but being out of the mix has given me the space and time to just figure out what I want and figure out how I want to create and what I want to put out into the world. So I I agree with you. I think everyone's going to respond to things differently. And maybe that doesn't work for one person as well as it does for the other. But I know for me, it was, it was definitely a life-changing move. Wow. That is, that is really cool to hear because I I know there's a lot of people who are in, in that boat, you know, like, do I take a break? Do I, you know, they're at a crossroad of some sort. It's the beginning of the year. Still people are still wanting to make those changes that they were thinking about at the beginning of the year. So that is really interesting to hear. Now, something else about your story that I think is really interesting, and and we don't often talk about this actually, is is stepping away from alcohol and you you don't drink. Is that still true? It's still true. Yeah. Can you take us through that decision? And the reason I want to say we don't often talk about it is because what 80% of the people that drink athletic and something like 95% of the people who drink non-alcoholic beverages, whether it be Mm -hmm. beer or non-alcoholic liquor or wine, they also drink alcohol. So it's a common misconception 
that athletic or any of the non-alcoholic brands are only for sober people. However, right. your, your story is really interesting. I want to hear like what led you in this world of food and drinks to not drink anymore. Yeah. Well, the, the funny part is that it was a, an unconscious decision. Um, it, it was something where now when I think back on it, I know I was shifting away from alcohol for months prior, but we had moved to Bend, Oregon. This was kind of in the middle of our nomading and we were living in Bend, Oregon for the ski season. And I woke up one day, it was about, um, you know, a month into January. And I looked over at my boyfriend and I was like, I don't think I've had alcohol in like a month. That's kind of crazy, right? I'm like, this is weird. I mean, I just, I just didn't think about it. I just kind of stopped drinking. And I had had alcohol presented to me over the weekend. Oh no, I'm good. I'm good. And I think probably too, it was like, I was learning how to ski and that was so stressful for me. And I was so exhausted at the end of every day. I was crying every day and I was tired. And so I think the idea of drinking alcohol was just like impossible for me to even think about. But it was funny because that morning I like sat with myself, I journaled and I was like, what? has alcohol even brought to my life? I mean, I've been living really well the last month. I've been super happy and nothing has felt like it's changed. What, what is, what is alcohol to me? I think that was the first question I started to ask myself was what is my relationship with it? What has my relationship been with it in the last three months? I've, I've never brought this to the forefront of my mind before. And I started to think about it. And then it, it started to kind of spark this conversation internally about what my relationship to alcohol was 10 years prior. And, you know, a very kind of quick way to talk about it is I, I really didn't drink until I was almost 21 years old. There was, uh, there was no room for drinking in my house. My parents were like, you know, they put the fear into me, do not drink before you're 21. But man, when I was 21, I really went for it. I really, uh, I really went crazy in college. And it was a, it was when I think back, it was a pretty damaging time. And I think a lot of us have experienced that kind of the way that we treated alcohol in college. But it was these questions that I started to ask myself about like, what does alcohol bring to my life currently? What was my relationship with it last year, the year before, the year before that? And what would happen if I stopped, like really stopped and really just didn't drink? While I was asking myself these questions, I kind of decided, you know, I'm not going to drink because I want to kind of really get clear about this. Then one month became two months and two months became three months. And by the end of the third month, I was like, oh my God, I'm living the best life ever. I am so happy. I'm not tired. I'm not you know, my, my skin started to clear up and all of these like physical changes started to kind of beget these mental changes. And I felt so clear. I think that's really the only way for me to describe it. And in my relationships, I was able to hand, handle conflict better. I felt like I was able to focus on work more. I mean, there was just something about it. And then one day, I think it was in March, um, cause I remember I was going to a skiing lesson, uh, but I decided to post a mocktail online. I was like, well, you know, all these people are making cocktails. I saw this one girl make a spicy blackberry margarita and I wanted it. I was like, I want the spicy blackberry margarita, but I really don't want to drink. And I was like, what if I made this without alcohol? 
I mean, that just like would be great, right? I can do all of this without tequila. And I made it. And I just remember posting the video online and just throwing my phone in my car and going up to the mountain. And it was like a full powder day. And I was also crying with the trainer and it was a whole thing. And I got back to my car and I looked at the video and was like, what is going on? And it just took off. Like everyone was like, yeah, this is awesome. And I think I started to kind of realize like, okay, I think there's a need for this. I think, I think people are starting to, and like you said, people who are drinking non-alcoholic beer and wine and liquor and whatever it is, I think people are starting to really think about their relationship to alcohol. And I definitely think there was a huge need after, you know, lockdown and COVID. So many of us turned to having a beer or having a glass of wine or multiple every single night. And I think a lot of us were ready to kind of, you know, new year, new me, recharge and reframe. I think there was a huge need for it. And so as I started to create mocktails, I started to realize there's like literally no reason for me to drink. I'm so much happier without it. I get the exact same, you know, flavor profiling I get from having a non-alcoholic beverage. And that's kind of, you know, it's obviously barreled into something so much bigger today, but that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, there's still times where I'll, because I'm not addicted to alcohol, I think it's so important to kind of, you know, show the distinction between me as a sober curious person, someone who chose to stop drinking versus someone who has a necessity to stop drinking. There's times where I'll take sips of, you know, cocktails my boyfriend orders because it seems really interesting and it might help me get an idea for a non-alcoholic drink, but I have not had more than maybe two sips in one night of alcohol. And now it's been over two years and I'm living my best life. I'm loving it. And I went skiing last weekend. I'm a bit better at skiing now. And a ton of people, a ton of our friends were doing January and there were just like cases upon cases of athletic brewing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on this podcast, but everyone was drinking athletic. And I was like, wait, this is so exciting. This is so cool. And I'm like, you know, of course, trying to like very, I'm like, oh, do you, how do you like it? And what does it taste like? And everyone, and it was so funny. The guy was like, this is the first non-alcoholic beer I've ever tasted where if someone poured this in a glass for me, I would not know the difference. And I was like, that's right. It's the power of athletic. Felt like I was like a walking ad. <laughs> that's awesome. But tell us more about, you know, wh where your brand has gotten to at this point. I know that's, we, we talked a lot about how it started, um, but what, what, would you say you're kind of into now with the things that you create? Is there a theme? Is there like a style? Is there a direction you see things going? Or is it more just whatever inspires you at the time? I would say it's whatever inspires me at the time, but I've really kind of honed in on my, like you mentioned at the beginning of this, but I really honed in on my storytelling abilities. I think I was for so long kind of resistant to bringing this other part of my personality into my content. I'm like, well, I can't bring storytelling and speech and debate and speech pathology into food. And it turns out you really can. Um, and last year I just started telling stories and I, I think it's been such a cool way for me to, um, bring in both elements of my personality. I love to cook. I love to create, uh, you know, non-alcoholic drinks. I love to create food based off of seasonal produce, but I also love to talk about my life and I love to share things and I love to hopefully inspire people. Um, and I think that it can be done through food. And I think food for me is that catalyst and that 
medium that kind of allows me to connect with the greater community and audience that follows me or finds my page. Because for me, I think, you know, life can feel so lonely. It can feel so lonely and you can feel like you are just the only person experiencing what you're experiencing. And it has always been, you know, it's always been my goal to help people understand that there are so many of us in the same position. And there are so many of us who are kind of just like unfiltered and we're kind of a mess and we're just trying to figure it out every day. And it's a little bit rocky and that's cool. That's okay. And it's cool to own that. And so I think through talking about my past and talking about where I'm at today, it gives people that sort of, you know, like internet pen pal to say, all right, it's cool. Like she's also dealing with that. I I'm good too. Like I'm good today. Um, and that's what I hope to do because I think social media can be a weird and scary place. And I hope that I can be one of the good ones on there. Did, did you find implementing that storytelling into the visuals being food and drink? Was it a welcomed introduction and kind of shift? Obviously you were enjoying it more, but how did, uh, how did your followers accept it? I think it took a bit of time. I was so kind of focused on music and kind of allowing music to be the forefront of my videos for so long. And I think when I started to do voiceovers, it just like anything in this job, it just takes a while to pick up. And usually, you know, if it's going to work and then, you know, if it's not going to work after a few months. And I just told myself, I was like, I'm going to start storytelling and start doing voiceovers and I'm going to stick with it for three months. And if after three months, it feels like it's not being received well, um, then, then I'll find another way to connect. But I did find that there was such a, there was just a huge connection for everybody who followed me. And I think when I came back to social media after those 15 months off, I really didn't do as much food. I was very much kind of talking about my past and crying and depression and anxiety and whatever I was experiencing. And I finally feel like I've kind of taken that and I've taken food and I've been able to put them into one. And that's been really cool because I like I think food is such a connector. I mean, my love language is cooking for people. And so I hope that other people, you know, feel that way uh, when they see my food. And I hope that they are able to connect with the idea that I think food is beautiful. I think it's artistic. It's delicious. But there's also another aspect to what I do. And it's not just here's how to make a recipe. Um, there's the aspect of here's what's going on in my life. And I hope that someone feels you know, when they receive my content that they're just like sitting down with an old friend who's cooking for them in the kitchen and telling them a story. Hmm. I'm sure when they, you know, first scroll, especially someone new, probably don't foresee that it's going to be part of this no. video. It's like, it's like hey, here's brownies. And then also let me tell you about when I had anxiety when I was eight. And it's just like, wait, what's going on? But I try to round it out, even though I only get 30 seconds. <laughs> You do a great job. No, I love it. And, and um, gosh, well, you got a couple minutes to jump into rapid fire questions. Then we'll yeah, wrap let's up. do it. Cool. I'm and scared. I'll... Rapid fire questions scare me. And, you, and it doesn't have to be like one word, phrase or okay. two. Or if you have a story, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that question reminds me of this. That's fine too. What are you most curious about right now outside of, let's say outside of work? Ooh, what am I most curious about? 
curious. I am very curious about uh, gardening. It's It's been this big thing that I've really been wanting to do and just kind of like living off of my land. Uh, I live in an apartment with no outdoor space, so there's absolutely no opportunity for me to do it. But yeah, I think gardening and like growing my own food. That's what I'm most curious wow. about. Wow. No, that's, that can be a lifelong pursuit. All right. Well, well, you know what? I usually ask this a little further down the list, but I'll ask it right right next to it. Do you, do you have any hobbies that folks really don't know about or you don't get the chance to share much on your platform? Ooh. Um, okay. Well, one hobby actually that I very concertedly kept a secret because I decided that I was going to do like no hobbies for monetization. So I didn't want to post about it, but since you're asking, I'll tell you, I actually joined a ceramic studio, uh, last year and I did about, it was about seven months of just hardcore ceramics. I was at the ceramic studio. I mean, all the time I like stopped posting on social media for a time because I was so obsessed with ceramics. I was like loving it. Um, and it's such a fun hobby that, Unfortunately, it takes a lot of time and I'm not able to do as much right now, but that was like a new, totally random hobby that I got into last year. And if you need a, anybody needs a mug, I have about 60 horrible <laughs> mugs in my cabinet. So <laughs> you've got a problem is what it sounds like. Yes, that's <laughs> so, right. That's, that's right. awesome. All right. So, so t tell us a little bit, these are, we're, we're scaling up in importance of, of questions in the sense of like, okay your life, what, what would you say is, um, your proudest achievement to date outside of work? Well, I have to say outside of work, my proudest achievement is probably, um, finishing my master's degree and finishing my schooling, even when it felt really hard. Um, because to this day, I think it's the one thing where when I think I can't do something, I just remind myself that I did that even when I wasn't a hundred percent in it and felt really confused and really scared. And so I would say that's probably my greatest achievement. When people ask me, what's the last book that made you cry? I always say uh, organic chemistry. And, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there were many nights during that master's degree. Some of those books <laughs> made you That's exactly you right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, so what, what would you say, maybe then this can be with work too. What, what, what is a goal, a like a really big goal, or maybe your biggest goal that still on the horizon, you still would like to achieve this? I think for me is kind of, I'm trying to figure it out right now, but I'm, I want to go beyond social some way. I want to connect in some other way. And I don't know if that's, you know, a book. I don't know if that's a product. I don't know. I would love to create a barware line for people um, to enjoy drinks. I have ideas and I'm, I'm excited about them, but yeah, there's stuff on the horizon for me that I'm actually, I don't know if anyone's heard of the artist's way. I'm doing that right now. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's kind of this uh, like 12 week program. It's very, it's a very cool book if anyone's kind of looking for more creative inspiration. And so that exact question is actually what I am trying to figure out right now. So my answer is I have no idea. <laughs> All right. The artist way. I'm, I'm, I Googled it. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. Check it out. Thanks for sharing. So in the pursuit of this goal, whatever it might be, what, what is a daily habit you stick to that's you know, something you, you try to do every day. Could be big, could be small. My number one daily habit is going on a walk in the morning and it can be a 10 minute walk. It can be an hour long walk, depending on what I have time for. If it's raining, I throw my raincoat on and I'm out there. Um, like I did this morning, it has been the single 
most thing that has just absolutely changed my life in the last year. Just making time for myself every single morning. That's so simple, but so impactful. That's exactly right. I've already asked you about hobbies, uh, daily habits you stick to. Did, did you have uh, a, a brew at Athletic Brewing that really stuck out to you, one of the styles or one that you really gravitated towards? I love the Run Wild. You know, IPA, light blue. I know it when I see it at the store. I just think it tastes so good. It's like that, it's that exact taste that I think when you open, when you open a can, it's just like you're looking for it. You're looking for it. It's like that, where is it? And then, I don't know, you take a sip of it and you're like, oh, this is what I needed right now. What's your favorite? I'd say Run Wild's the first one I ever tried and I loved it. And I'd say it's, it's Free Wave is the one okay. that I like. It's a, it's like a little hoppier. Something about Free Wave really really is good. But if it's really hot outside, I want to run wild. It's a yeah, little bit, ice cold. Yeah, ice cold, ice cold. Um, but those two, those two are my favorite. Um, well, on every can of beer for a long time, it said brew without compromise. And that was kind of our motto. And you'll notice the name of the show is without compromise. Because what we realized is pursuing any path that's less traveled, including, you know, like same with you, it is not easy. Really need to commit. You know, so to brew without compromise, we realized we kind of needed to live without compromise. And I want to ask you, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Hmm. I need to take a second to think. Yeah, edit the silence out. <laughs> no, I keep it. I actually double it for effect. Oh, no, great. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think to live without compromise for me, and I kind of discussed this before, is just knowing who I am and knowing what my values are and, and sticking to those and, and knowing that, you know, as long as I kind of have that foundation and as long as I can remind myself of that foundation every single day, that whatever I'm doing, I can trust and whatever I'm putting out into the world, I can, I can believe is for the greater good. And that's, what's so important to me is to make sure that what I'm, what I'm doing and how I'm living and how I'm working is affecting people in the right way. There is no compromise for kind of how I've set the foundation up of who I am. And I think that will always be changing. So constantly, you know, having inner dialogue with myself and just getting to know myself kind of without shame and with grace for, for who I am in whatever moment that may be. I think that's my answer. Well, there you have it, folks. You can follow along. Follow Olivia Nosita on Instagram, on TikTok, at her website. And also, if you'd like to try Run Wild, her favorite athletic brew, go to athleticbrewing.com. You can get us right there on our website and ship to your front door or use the store finder to find us on store shelves near you. 